The scripture reading for today is Luke chapter 3, verses 4 through 14. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with one who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors who also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers who asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. This is the word of the Lord. Welcome, congregation members. Why don't we once again look around and say hi, bless one another, uh, it is so wonderful to see uh, some of the faces uh, returning back after a year of just worshiping online. Uh, so just say, welcome back. Good to see you. And you may be seated. And those of you who are worshiping online, once again, we bless you. And uh, we want to also uh, encourage you uh, starting from actually uh, this week, our uh, children are coming back uh, to church. Um, last Sunday, I was reported that uh, about 100 children have registered to come to church during the week, Monday through Fridays. So I thought, wow, that's awesome. And then yesterday, Pastor Susan uh, said, actually, now 200 people. <laughs> so I think it is exciting. But also we need to pray for uh, their safety and they will have a really, really good experience uh, so that uh, when we have a joint anniversary Sunday next week and then week after, our education department is reopening for in-person uh, gathering. So we're doing this one step at a time uh, with a caution, safety, but also with courage and faith as well. And God has given us the timing for us to warm up and take each step uh, with the faith, but also with the wisdom, God-given uh, timing. Starting from today, we are going to cover, um, go through the Gospel Luke account. But rather than going through chapter by chapter, uh, we are beginning this series called Right Side of Kingdom. Right Side of Kingdom. Probably you are familiar with the term upside down kingdom, but actually we wanted to actually change this as right side of a kingdom. Jesus came to restore the broken world. 
As we hear uh, so much about Upside Down Kingdom, actually this was a title of the book uh, written by Donald Craybill in 1978. And it was a revolutionary paradigm because it talked about oxymoron uh, part of the gospel. Even title of today's message is Down is Up. Or outsiders are actually spiritually really insiders. Dying is living. Uh, we want to be served, but God is calling us to serve. Uh, so he talked about this oxymoron side of the gospel. But if you really think about it, uh, it is proper for us to say rather than upside down kingdom, it is right side up kingdom. Because what God had intended and originally designed, it's been flipped due to our sin. And what Jesus did was actually to bring it back to right side up. So from our perspective, our human, sinful, self-centered perspective, it is upside-down kingdom. But from God's perspective, He is really restoring it back to right side of kingdom. Everyone saying that we are going through this new norm, uh, paradigm. How do we really live out our lives in this generation? The COVID-19 has shifted a lot of things. Uh, the way you are living or changing your career, even university, job market have shifted. Even church has been through a lot of changes and shifting the way that we worship. So even though the government allowed us to have a 25% capacity, actually in our Emmanuel Chapel, uh, it's 1,800-seater, so 25% means we are allowed to have up to 450 people here sitting. As people are getting vaccinated, doubly vaccinated, feeling more safe to go out to uh, market, non-essential store, even enjoying patio outdoor, and yet a lot of people are saying that it's going to take time for congregation members to even come back to physical gathering of worship service. Or maybe some of them will not show up for a while. So a lot of leaders and pastors and church members are asking this question, so now what do we do? How do we adjust to new standard and the way we gather together as a community? What kind of value, what kind of standard do we hold on to? But we as a church, as a followers of Jesus Christ, rather than following the pattern of the world and following simply what other people are doing, we need to ask this very fundamental question, what would Jesus do? If Jesus were to be here, year 2021, during COVID, what kind of message, what kind of faith, what kind of standard would it be challenging all of us? I think that is a very important question for us to ask 
even as a church and followers of Jesus Christ. We're going through this season of a lot of changes are occurring. And people even say, you know, BC and AC, before COVID and after COVID. 2,000 years ago when Jesus came, he came also during a lot of tension and conflict and changes are occurring, BC and AD. Because before, everyone's worldview was God-centered, even though people, non-Jews, they were not believing in God or Yahweh, God of Israel, they were believing in some types of gods. And they thought their life, their faith, everything was depend on what God wants or how their gods steer their lives to be. So it was very God-centered oriented culture. But when Jesus was coming, there was a tremendous change and shift with a paradigm the humanism, the human-centeredness enter into the world. For example, the Greek culture and Roman culture, they were saying, you know what, we can even fight against God's divine nature, Hercules and Odyssey, and man, that we are powerful enough so that we can fight and we can rebel against these divine beings and then conquer and make our own fate. So there was a clash between God's center and hum, hum, uh, humanism clash. Not only that, the people used to believe in community center value system so that if community comes first, individuals need to be sacrificed. Even like, you know what, you can die for the sake of community. Community first. But a new era, new belief system coming in and saying, you know what? It's more for individuals to be valued and celebrated. Individualism. So Jesus came during this conflict. God center and human center, community center, individual center. And yet Jesus didn't side with one camp, but Jesus went even beyond and completed. Jesus came 100% God and 100% human. And Jesus valued the community and discipleship and creating this new people of God through church, and yet he was so gentle and ministering to every single broken individual. It's not one or the other. Is it virtual or in-person gathering? It's not one or the other. It's beyond that. It's a matter of for us to re-examine what kind of perspective, what kind of value do we have as a people of kingdom of God? And I truly believe that this is God-given opportunity for church to 
re-evaluate and reset some of the things that we are so used to operate. God is giving the season for us to reset. Almost like down is up, up is down, flipping everything, and yet it's not just flipping for the sake of flipping, but bring it back to the way it's supposed to be. I'm not talking about going back to before COVID. I'm talking about going back to how God intended you and I to pursue our faith, you and I to build a church and community of God, you and I to live out as a salt and light. In order to do that, we need to prepare ourselves. And that's why in chapter 3 of Luke, it is very significant because John the Baptist came to prepare the way of the Lord and straighten the path. In order for Jesus to come and proclaim the kingdom right side up, John the Baptist became or a tool or voice of God to prepare and give everyone heads up, giving preview, prelude to this new kingdom, a restore kingdom. So today, as an intro message, we're going to talk about these three things that we need to consider for us to really go back to or to be restored to original God intended, the kingdom of God. But in order to do that, it talks about three things. Examining faith, regrouping God's community, and also regaining opportunity. And that's what kingdom of God is about. Number one, it's about re-examining faith by fruit. You know, for the longest time, in the name of Christianity, in the name of having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Many Christians are used to program, going through motion. And yet it is very important for us to ask this question. Are we really rooted in basic fundamental truth of the gospel, which is the person of Jesus Christ? Because if we are rooted in the person of Jesus Christ, Longer we follow him, more we imitate Jesus Christ, more we enjoy loving, intimate relationship. That is a result of faith. That is a fruit of faith. And yet, we have to wonder why the people outside, why are they Continually attacking and criticizing church to be self-centered, narrow-minded. Is it because of our doctrine? Is it because of our belief? Maybe some of the people are opposing our doctrine and belief. But I think it's more than that. It's about lifestyle, our character. In the name of Christianity, 
We love to be part of the Christian bubble. We encourage, we comfort one another by saying, oh, at least we come to church, we show up, we follow God. But outside of the church, many of us, we have to examine, are we truly making impact? Are we pursuing excellence? John the Baptist, his role was to proclaim and become voice before Jesus comes. In verse 3, and he went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And as he was proclaiming about repentance, he was very blunt, straightforward. In verse 7, Therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you voodoo vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. If you really read the text carefully, John the Baptist was not attacking non-religious people. Outcast. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, it gives more detail. John the Baptist was rebuking Pharisees, Sadducees, and in Luke, Jews. Because these people, they thought they were elite. They were in-house people. They were chosen, privileged people of God. For sure they were chosen by God. For sure they were saved. For sure they are privileged. And they are righteous people. And yet, when God was examining their faith, even though they are believing that they were chosen, they were not having any kind of fruit in their lives. In their everyday life in their workplace. If Jesus were to come today and giving this message, you think Jesus will be saying, you fertile viper to non-believers? I don't think so. I think he is saying exactly the same thing to pastors, leaders, and all the church members whom we think that we are safe. We are we're fine. So this is not to attack one another. I'm not putting you down. But I'm saying that you and I need to take this message very seriously. And we are the one truly need to re-examine our faith by fruit. I'm not saying work-oriented faith. We don't get saved by works but if we are truly born again, we cannot not bear spiritual fruit. When Jesus came, Jesus was the reality, the kingdom of God. Who encountered Jesus first? Pharisees and Sadducees? No. It was shepherds, Simeon, Anna, outcast, 
Outsiders were the ones encountering Jesus first. So to speak, people who are so faithful, religious, spiritual, were missing out, and people who are broken encounter Jesus first. Perhaps we've been operating with this formula of faith. We made our faith as a formula. Just confess Jesus is the Lord and Savior, you go to heaven. Cheap grace, easy believism. And I'm not criticizing evangelism explosion or for spiritual law. As I've been trained, and many of us, we were, went out and faithfully and preaching through EE and for spiritual law, and I went through training. But there are moments that I was even tempted. Whenever I share the gospel during gospel presentation, it's like, just say yes. Right? Just say yes, and then you'll be saved. Just say yes, and then you'll be a uh, you know, child of God. But are we really talking about true transformation, being born again by spirit and truth? Or are we saying, just say yes to the formula of the gospel, and then somehow that we feel at peace now because I say yes to Jesus that I am guaranteed to have eternal life. Because when Jesus talks about repent, that repentance is for us to become a citizen of the kingdom of God. It talks about radical repentance, holistic repentance, and complete repentance where the Lord and the King, the author and perfecter of our lives are completely changed and our God takes ownership of our lives. Our mind, the way we live our lives, our future, our decision-making. In verse 9, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit, good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. God is not result-oriented God. So don't misunderstand. Oh, you have no fruit, you're gone. It's like company, right? Like, oh, no sales, you're fired. Your mark's bad, you are getting kicked out. No, that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about, if you've been church, if you've been Christian for years, and the fruit needs to be bare naturally over the time, but if there is no fruit that we are bearing in our lives, we're not talking about in church pretending, but in our everyday life, then we need to re-examine our faith. This is not to condemn, but to 
convict and challenge every single one of us. And I believe that this COVID is a season where we are re-examining our faith and how we follow God. When you are home alone, isolated, scattered, you didn't have to show up. No one was there to really push you or to nag or to check up on you. How was your faith journey? And I believe that it is time for us to examine even fruit as a church community. Our missions department is re-examining the way that we used to do missions. Before, many missionaries were focusing on building program. But this COVID made us realize it's not about building. It's not about number. But it's about the quality of disciples. Are they able to continually disciple and multiply one another with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even in North Korea, we spend a lot of money on building and program. All those buildings are gone. But the question remains, then what part of our missions will still remain fruitful? That's what we as a church now, we are investing in people. Raising them. Raising next generation. What about your family? Maybe it's a season for God is giving you opportunity to examine fruit. Because all these rapid changes... I realize that even our next generation, they may have completely different standards and values. What kind of fruit are we bearing? Can we re-examine? And that was a prelude, a preview, before Jesus came for John the Baptist to prepare their hearts. Secondly, it's about regrouping community. What do I mean by regrouping community is that the kingdom of God is a relational kingdom. So when Jesus comes, that he will shift from religious ritual community to relational community. Before, it used to be just religious ritual. You know, are you coming into temple? Are you giving offering? Are you giving sacrifice? Were you there? Okay, then you are free. You are forgiven. You are chosen. It was through their religious activity. But when Jesus came, he made it so that it's a relational. God and us, but also with one another. Those who have right relationship with God, but also with that right relationship, you flow through and extend God's grace and love to 
one another. Vertical and horizontal relationship. Now a lot of people are saying, after COVID, we need to somehow find a balance between in-persons and online worship service. And I think there's a huge paradigm shift. And because of this virtual worship service, and there are positive benefits. We have some of the, some of the people who have recently joined because they've been unchurched or they left church a long time ago. But somehow, they just couldn't come back to church community on Sunday. And some of them have returned and praised the Lord. I heard this testimony from a person, you know, I got hurt by someone or from church. I left for 10 years. But this COVID made me to come back and I've been worshiping for a whole year every Sunday. Praise the Lord. We have a person who's joined our online worship in New Brunswick. For our LPC, we have someone who's joining from Paris online. We have a congregation members worshiping with us in Korea. Right now it's like 11.20 p.m. on Sunday. Praise the Lord. And these are amazing blessing that we are having this online. But on the other hand, if you are not careful, that we can also find this as a good excuse and very convenient. And our worship service became on-demand service because I've been closely watching our whole year, the pattern. And only 50% of our congregation members are right now worshiping same time. And 50% of our congregation members will be probably worshiping in the afternoon or during the week. And I, I know some people may have good reason. But if we are not careful, it's going to be like this from now on. Oh, kids are not ready. Okay, let's just have a one-on-one worship. Oh, my hair is not in you know, good shape. I literally heard you know, someone, I couldn't go to hair salon, so I'm going to go to church week after. <laughs> you know, people, we never ever thought that way, right? But now, if it snows, online worship. If it rains, online worship. At convenience. Because many of us, we think that worship is ritual responsibility. That we need to watch worship. There's a terminology. Many Korean people use that term, I need to come to church and watch worship. 예배 본다. Watching worship. So at home, they're watching worship. 
But community is not about watching worship. It's about having fellowship, relational community where we also serve. We also fulfill God-given grace to be extended through our spiritual gifts. So we exercise, we serve, we do missions together. Can you imagine with your family, rest of your life, with your parents? You know, just go through Zoom. It's like, I don't need to see my parents in person. That's not, right? Last, last week, my parents were finally double vaccinated and we are doubly vaccinated, so we put masks off and then we met in person. <laughs> it was so nice because we're family. We're not going to say, well, Zoom, just watch everyone on screen. Save some money traveling gas and then we'll give you more money as allowance. No, that's not what family is. And church community is the same. It's not ritual, responsibility. We watch worship, but it's really about forming a body of Christ to build up for the kingdom of God where the fellowship, sharing, the communion, serving, and doing missions. The holistic component of community of God. That's why Jesus came to live, dying, have a fellowship with the disciples, not like come to, you know, giving lecture of a kingdom of God and sermon on the mount and then by disciples, you know, come back tomorrow. If weather is bad, I will see you online. No, Jesus lived with the disciples, ate together with the disciples. And that's what community is all about. So when Jesus reveal this kingdom of God, right side up. He completely changed who are the outsiders and who are the insiders. Not people who do religious ritual are insiders and people who couldn't are outsiders. No, you have relationship with God. You are invited. So once again, it's not about in-persons online. It's really about those who are desiring to be part of the community of God in spirit and truth for the common goal of proclaiming the kingdom of God for mission that God has given to us. That's a community. My last point, which leads to regaining opportunity. What's amazing about the kingdom of God is that those who are spiritually, emotionally, relationally, societally, and even ethically, morally bankrupt, they get to regain opportunity to start or to get back. In verse 11, and he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him, with him who has none, whoever has food is to do likewise. People who have two tunics, maybe they work hard, double, or maybe they cheated. On the other hand, people who are broke, maybe because they've been lazy, or maybe they just went through tragic, Whatever the reason is, God is not asking what was the reason, but to say, if you come to me, I will give you opportunity to start again. 
In verse 12 and verse 14, tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him and we, What shall we do? And he said to them, Do not exalt money from anybody by threats or by false accusation. And be content with your wages. Pharisees, Sadducees, Jews and non-Jews, tax collectors, prostitutes, soldiers, outsiders, you know what? All of you, you have opportunity to repent and regain opportunity. And those who are filled with resentment, hatred, disappointment, failure, we get opportunity to come back to God and to live our lives with joy, life. People who've been living for their own self-gain, now we have opportunity to serve for other people and be blessing. People who lived under fear and anxiety, Disobedience, now we're given opportunity to live out with the courage. This COVID-19 caused even our church to reflect. What do we do as a church? And missions will continue. But also, this became an amazing season where we had to really evaluate what is our calling even in Toronto, in Mississauga. And I'm so thankful to our leaders and elders because last year we were able to save bit of money because we didn't have that many programs. But with that money, we're able to really give to the Rose of Sharon. Also this year, we gave some funding to our denomination. And our denomination, we were able to help out more than 10 churches that are struggling because they cannot afford to have an online worship. And because their church is renting, they couldn't even meet up during the season. So many of them were struggling. So they were applying for this subsidy from our denomination. I was reading their story. In total, about 11 churches. And we were sending money, and yet my heart was broke even more. I wish we can help out even more. I wish we were able to give more. There are some of the missionaries, their fund has been, you know, uh, terminated because their churches are weak and they're struggling. I wish you were able to support more missionaries to do the kingdom work. And I think that God is giving us this opportunity now. Yes, we do. You know, oversee missions. We continue to need to do in a different paradigm, examining fruit. 
and really investing in people rather than program. Again, even in our community, I believe that God has given our new hope and LPC this mission. Whether they are believers or non-believers, it doesn't matter. Even in this city, are we able to really give and to be salt and light? That will bring the glory of God. And that will give opportunity for people to now say, you know, with that, churches is like very self-centered. It's all about them. It's all about Christian bubble. But you know what? Wow. They are bigger. Why we hold on to the truth of the gospel without compromising? Maybe God is giving us opportunity to do so. And I'm glad that all of us, that we are called by God for this cause in this generation. Let us not be passive, defensive, but take this as a divine opportunity to get back to, not before COVID, but the way the kingdom of God is supposed to be demonstrated. Let's pray together. As we spend some time in prayer, I believe that God is speaking to all of us. Yes, those of us we think that we are fine, we're chosen, we're insiders. But this is a season where we need to re-examine everything that we did, even our faith, the way we follow God, the way we serve one another. God wants to bring transformation from religious ritual community to relational, active, dynamic community. This is not for us to be condemned or put ourselves down, but again, to wrap it up, God is giving us opportunity. So this is a new season. We can get back. Really go back. So can we thank the Lord for this opportunity to reshift and begin with an open heart heart of repentance, but also heart of anticipation, what God is going to do through our lives and through our church. Heavenly Father, this COVID-19 has shifted many things in our personal family friendship and even church community way we do things and how we operate and build relationship lord rather than just
just passively just waiting for everything to end and settle. Help us to take this opportunity to re-examine where we are spiritually, but where we need to restore, where we need to be reset. And help us to respond in faith and encourage with God-given opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray.